This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Hello, and welcome to Slate's Game of Thrones podcast, a TV club series that's just for Slate Plus members. I'm June Thomas, and today I am joined by longtime Slate contributor Seth Stevenson. Hey, Seth. Hello, June. And by writer and theatre director Isaac Butler. How are you doing, Isaac? <laughs> good. I'm doing good. How are you, June? I'm very well. We are, of course, discussing season seven, episode six, Beyond the Wall. Uh, you know, did stuff happen this week? Do we have anything to talk about? Shall we just kind of... Did you like that they opened on your favorite map? You know, I kind of loved it because as the daughter of coal miners, everybody who has coal miners in their family has some tchotchke, you know, that people have made out of coal. And it looked like that map was made of coal. I'm like, who, whose father's a collier? Do you have any of those? I do. I, I have a collier made of coal. I didn't even know what a collier was. Ah, coal miner, yes. <laughs> anyway, I did. I like that map. Good. I was confused by it because I'm confused by all maps. Now, typically, we kind of go through the just like the events of the show in the order, more or less, that they happen. But I'm going to suggest this week that we go through the characters that were not beyond the wall first and then get to that situation. Very well. We'll try anyway. Yeah. So we begin in Winterfell with... Let's just call it Sister Fight, like 2017 or Sister Fight, whatever year it is in the show. Arya and Sansa are just like prickling at each other and like needling at each other. And it begins with them essentially having like a suffering off. Arya believes that Sansa hasn't suffered. Sansa thinks that Arya has not suffered in the way she did. And it just kind of escalates into a kind of nightmare scenario, right? And does, so does this go way back to their childhood, to some sort of essential divide between them where, where Arya mentions over and over how Sansa wants to wear the pretty dresses yep. and sit next to the handsome prince mm-hmm. and Arya wants to be the one shooting arrows and be a knight and they've always had this tension between them and these different roles they wanted and is this the final conflagration of that or is it about the temporal circuit, the, cir- the circumstances surrounding them right now. Is, is, does it go deeper than what's right. happening? I think it does. I mean, I think this goes right back to Nymeria. I yeah, mean, this really Lady, goes right yeah. back to the first couple episodes yeah. of the show that Arya and Sansa have never gotten along, in part because of a kind of, you know, their relationship to their own gender identity and expectations that their society has for them. Sansa, very early on as a 11-year-old or whatever, sides with the Lannisters even before they kill Ned and Joffrey because she's hoping someday to be a princess and and Arya's always rejected that. And so I think it goes back that deep. What I thought was really fascinating was that, and I think this is actually in character, I don't think this is a bad thing, is that Arya seems to have forgotten that she spent an entire season serving wine to Tywin Lannister and could have killed him at any point. So when she has that moment where she says, you know, I would have let them kill me, it's like, actually, you wouldn't have. Yeah. It's just that Sansa doesn't know it. Yeah. You know, the, the last words you spoke then, it's just that Sansa doesn't know it. There's so much of that, like when they're talking about how each has suffered, but neither of them will spell out their suffering. And you think, gosh, if only there was some way that you could do that, like, I don't know, in a conversation. And I know for Sansa, like, I don't like to use the word victim, but she's a victim of sexual assault repeatedly. And she's gone through a lot. And when it is that kind of topic, you think, well, is there not somebody, somebody in the family or close friend who could say, Arya, you know, there's something you don't know about. And gosh, there's this guy, the three-eyed raven. He knows both of them. <laughs> like, if he knows all, why can't he just be able, I don't know if you can see the future, but like, can't he just have a quiet word? Like, 
Arya. He's, just, he's hanging out at Winterfell also. We don't yeah. even see him. And no, he he's, he's just hanging out by the tree. He's sitting under a tree. A hundred yards away. Yeah. Yeah. Can you just have a word with, like, with both of them? Arya, don't you, let me tell you, let me give you a clue of what Sansa's been through. Sansa, Arya's not just been, you know, serving wine. She's just right. got, you know. Well, she lost her sight and was beaten senseless repeatedly. <laughs> exactly. What, what I think is, you know, the, it actually really brings up that they have had no parents for mm-hmm. their entire adolescence, mm-hmm. actually, I think mm-hmm. it's really because I think about like when I go home and all my Ugh. siblings are together because I have three siblings and we're all together. The more of us that there are in the same place, the faster we regress to whatever age we were when we actually all last lived under the same roof. Mm-hmm. So if I'm with all three of my siblings after about two days, I'm kind of like a 13 year old. I mean, it's really like a weird thing that happens, like all those dynamics come out again. So I feel like there's a yeah. there's a similar thing. And the last time they saw each other. Arya was eight and Sansa was 12 or something like that. And they've had no parental anything to mediate this. All they have is Bran, who seems more interested in like reliving Sansa's sexual trauma than helping her in any way. Right. I actually was really into it. I was like, yep, yep, that's siblings. Yeah. They fall back into these roles. And it doesn't seem crazy to me that they would be incurious about what happened to each other simply because they're yeah. used, they're just weaponized right yeah. like they're yeah. all they want to do is object to each other and they, and they don't want to they don't want to learn about the other to me the heart of what the conflict is right now is Arya has basically like oppo research on Sansa yeah. right yeah. A- against you know a pl- political research on where her where her leanings are and and her fear that what she's going to use this oppo research for is to prevent Sansa from Getting rid of John and taking and seizing power with Littlefinger. Her her fear is that Sansa is power hungry and is going to bond with Littlefinger and together seize Winterfell and and get the rest of the Starks out of the way and just rule. I don't know what she thinks Sansa's goal is when Sansa seizes power. And what is her goal exactly? If she wants to be a knight. Go be a knight, you know, just, like just, 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 just do Go it. Do your thing. Well, that's what. So, so I'm not sure what Sansa's suspicions about Arya are that Arya wants to kill Sansa, right? And Sansa's weaponry against against Arya is a Littlefinger is scheming, and B Sansa somewhat inexplicably after Littlefinger says, "Well, the one thing keeping Arya from killing you is Brienne, right? Brienne will keep Arya from killing you, but that goes both ways right. because Brienne will protect." Arya from Sansa and Sansa is the one who sends Brienne away suddenly leaving both of them vulnerable to attacks from the other. Well, and I saw that as yet more, you know, manipulation from Littlefinger or Sansa thinking that surely correctly that anything that Littlefinger does is a manipulation. So if if Littlefinger says use Brienne, she's going to think, oh, keep Brienne away. I mean, she doesn't she doesn't seem aware of the concept of bluff, double bluff. Right. I mean, the tacit suggestion there was that Brienne could be pushed to in some way commit violence against uh, Arya or something, right? Like, like Littlefinger, there's always like an extra implication to every one of his, of his lines, right? Right. So I can understand why Sansa was like not understanding what a double bluff is, just like Arya not understanding that you could know you were being tailed and then plant evidence that Sansa's, you know, whole thing is, well, yeah, we got to get rid of her because obviously Littlefinger has some idea about what she's going to do. And I am my own woman. I mean, I think that's the other thing is that Sansa wants to be her own woman. She doesn't want to be beholden to Littlefinger, even though she is because he saved her kingdom and brother and life and everything like that. Right. When she tells Arya, it was me that saved Winterfell by bringing the Knights of the Vale, she knows actually it was Littlefinger. But, you know, what have you done for me lately is how I see it. Yeah. If I were Arya, though, like, wouldn't you just like take a little Littlefinger face? Just uh, (sighs) a... 
I mean, don't please. kill Sansa. Who wants to deal I with know. all the logistics of the exactly. wheat storage and yeah, the no. leather relining? <laughs> exactly. Just like get rid of Littlefinger, put his face on and be like, totally. oh, Sansa. <laughs> this brings up the first among what I believe we will discuss many, many implausible elements of this episode. Yeah. But that, to the point that really bothered me, in fact, that the level of implausibility here. But the faces we've now seen is this when we sort of make like the, the logistical aspects of the faces become clear, like totally clear for the first time where she totally clear. has to sever the face in order to use it. I liked it much better like when she was training and the idea was sort of she had this kind of witchy spell she could cast and make other people see her as the person whose personality she had subsumed. But there is that room full of faces. I mean, where where did that room full there of faces is, come fa- from? Faces have like nerve endings and right. like vascularity. See, that's, yeah, you, exactly. you can't just cut off a face and so, have it be like a latex mask. She's going to take his face off. He's going to take his face <laughs> off. You know, it's just that's that's all it is. See, we saw the briefcase that she keeps the faces in. We did not see the giant trunk full of her pickling fluid that she uses to actually <laughs> preserve the faces. There's I a whole process, but, masks, you know, but yeah. Also, that wasn't a very big briefcase. How many faces can you fit in that briefcase? Well, you know, they pile also, on top of each other. Sansa says, where did you get these faces? She's holding Walter Fry's faces. Where did you get this face? And Arya looks at it and says, I got it on Bravos. That doesn't make any sense. Why, she, how did she get it on Bravos? We saw. You can, they sell bootleg Walter yeah. Fry faces at this one stall in Bravos. It's around the corner from where they have like a really good like a meat skewer. You know, yeah, you go around yeah, yeah. the corner and there's there's the Walter Fry emporium. This is like a midichlorians moment for me where they took this thing that could have been kind of vague and we'll just like chalk it up to magic or spells or some sort of charismatic persuasion that allows them to convince people they are who they're not. And instead now it's like literally I have to cut the face off the person and wear it. Which also means Arya killed that poor serving girl. Right. At, at the Frey That's estate, right, right? Yeah. in order to in and order to impersonate her, her and severed her GD face. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's weird. I mean, there's a couple things that they've still not explained, which I kind of hope they don't. Like right. everyone is very. We'll probably get to this later, but everyone's very, including me, sort of befuddled by how they're going to get one of the walkers south of the wall when supposedly they can't cross the wall. <laughs> but I kind of like that they're kind of like oh, maybe there's some rule, you know, like like sometimes leaving it unexplained is is better because yeah. it only provokes. More questions exactly. and it takes the mystery away. Exactly. We, we had a sense of it and having them, you know, give us a little bit of exposition about face fancy is just, it's not satisfying. It just Face aggravates. fancy? Is that like yeah. cat fancy it magazine is, it for is. assassins? Yeah, actually, I, I'm, I'm a subscriber, so let's, <laughs> let me hear nothing about this. Face and hound. <laughs> Face and hound. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so good. I want that. I want that. Okay, what else? Should we talk about what that culminates in, the actual fight that Sansa and Arya have? And yes. I was a little befuddled. I, I actually thought that was great. I was like, yes, their value conflict makes perfect right. sense. It's rooted in them being siblings. I bought it. What I was very unclear about is why Arya just like hands her the knife at the end. Is it just sort of like, well, I'm not going to kill you today? Like, what is actually that moment? Supposed to mean because it's not like we are now allies enough that I trust you to hold this and not immediately plunge it into my chest. Right. See, I think it may have been that. I mean, I'm sure there's some, you know, deep significance of like it was given to Bran who gave it to, you know, uh, there was. Right. It's that. There's that. There's that kind of, you know, passing around the family stuff that echoes the Jormont, Jon Snow thing with Longclaw. There's that kind of thing. But I think ultimately it was just I can kill you. Just as you said, but I'm not going to right now. And actually, I'm going to give you the means to kill me right. if you can. As or a scripting device, it sort of forces Sansa to contemplate, you know, her own capability for yeah. murder. Oh, wait a second. I could do something and, here. And I assume part of it is that, like, now they all have a Valerian steel 
weapon, right? It's like now, I mean, I mean, right. in terms of if you're the producer or the showrunner trying to figure out how you're going to get the, I mean, not Arya's not thinking that because she doesn't know Valerian Steel kills White Walkers, but she has Needle, Sansa has this dagger, Jon Snow has Long Claw, Bran can't wield a sword anyway. Oh, but I right, see. so now it's all three of them have a White Very Walker killing. Make sure we establish this, that they have the power to kill the White Walkers. I think so. That That's my other guess. No, okay. So in my attempts to avoid talking about what happens beyond the wall, I'm realizing I really can't because that's where like everything that happens in the episode other than Winterfell is all kind of pointing there and is really all about what's going on there. So let's just Shall get beyond the wall. Yeah, let's hop. And so we begin with a buddy comedy, uh, you know, a few good lines, a little bit of leering. So you had some nice Tormund Brienne uh, yeah. hound. I don't know what. I like that Tormund's also kind of leering at uh, Gendry, right? And Tormund's a little like, well, north of the wall, you know, <laughs> what happens. You yeah. Know, stays here. yeah. I really liked the tone of this opening segment. Mm-hmm. It was very stark and quiet. There yeah. wasn't a lot of music. It was almost monochromatic the way yes, it was just it was these very, black figures yeah. up against the snow and a lot of just like crunching feet in like in crunchy snow. It was striking, the, yeah. the dynamics of it. And it, it felt like, like a Kurosawa movie or something. It's very like these so. men on a mission just talking with no music. Music behind them mm-hmm. with no color. It was a dogma um, movie. I liked it. And we're establishing these relationships between them and finding out more about them. I really like the tone of that opening segment. And then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then. And then a big zombie bear came. And then a lot of dumb stuff happened, yeah. in my opinion. Like, yeah. well, you don't, you stuff, don't like you don't like the ice zombies. The whites are like your least favorite part of the show. If they I really are. Yeah. Right? I'm not. Yeah. I don't love. I like like the, the power imaginations. I do not like supernatural elements. Like although I like a dragon, I enjoy a dragon. Yeah, I like an occasional spell. I'm okay with like occasional like face swapping ability. But the the zombies get your zombies out of my show. There's already yeah. like a number one rated show in America that's all about zombies. If you want zombies, go there. Enjoy those zombies. I am not a fan of zombies. I. I'm not a fan of the dead coming back to life, just period. Whether it's as, I'm not a fan of resurrection. Like once you're dead, you're dead. Whether you come back as a zombie or as Jon Snow or Beric, whoever, just like once you're dead, be gone. No second chances of and, and coming back with blue eyes, none of that. It just annoys me. And it, it just also makes plotting like, oh, dead. Oh, no. Like, come on. If you're dead, you're dead. Stay dead. I think we should call that a rule from now on in all fiction. Um, I second it. Right. I'm okay with that. I, I would be sad to lose the first season of The Returned, the French <laughs> yes, show. Yes, like, yes, but yes, other yes, than yes. that, sure. Yeah, yes, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that. It does sort of break the narrative if you have people who can, once death stops meaning exactly, anything, exactly. It, it, it does kind of break the narrative. I am okay with the idea of this kind of inexorable force mm. that, you know, whether it's a metaphor for climate change or nuclear war or whatever, this, this inexorable or history. Like, I like it as metaphor. I yeah. find the more they show it, the sort of more questions I have. Like, if everyone can teleport around Westeros yeah. and north of the wall is not a geographically large place, why is it taking them so long to march yeah. down to the like? I don't actually like that part. I don't understand considering they're not like slow moving zombies. They can run. Yeah. And why do the Night King's assistants look kind of like dweeby accountants? They're or, a little bit like, oh, I'll get you my ice spear, my liege. <laughs> they just like they're not. The Night King's kind of scary. The other guys look like riffraff. They look like riffraff from Rocky Horror Show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They have that kind of thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like them in any way, shape, or form. But actually, let's just, not only to anticipate, you know, complaints or or corrections, 
But they're not quite zombies. They're not zombies in the sense that, you know, a scratch doesn't get you. I mean, as soon as they had their hands on Thorman, I'm like, oh, well, there's Thorman. Or when uh, when the one that they captured got the hound. Like, right. Oh, no, it's, it's OK. You can survive a scratch or a injury. Well, um, this, this episode, I thought, was very much about establishing some reestablishing, yes, reminding yes. us what the rules right. of White Walker right. are, right? Which is like they can resurrect you unless you burn the body. Yeah. If you the destroy whites. the one that has resurrected, whichever one is like all the zombies that he's created. If right. It's like vampires, right? It you is. Kill the head it vampire. Yeah. Then although the thralls are destroyed. Yeah. And, you know, it was a good foreshadowing with the bear when you're like, oh, they can bring non-humans mm-hmm. back. Right. Which is, of course, like the, the Chekhov's, yeah. Chekhov's zombie Chekhov's dragon animal setting glass, up yes. our, setting up our Draco lich. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How come? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let's talk about let's some go of there. the things that bothered me about. There's yeah. a big set piece and great action and you know incredibly directed Very all thrilling. that. Sure, thrilling, exciting, but I the implausibility factor really ramped up for me here. Okay, let's just start with a pretty minor one, which is why did they mine all that dragon yes, glass and yes. then never even mention the fact yes. that here we are, everybody get your dragon glass ready because we're now dealing with these other beings that might yeah. use dragon glass. Right. Yeah. And there's yeah. no discussion of that no. about how I'll make sure no. it's dragon glass. Oh no, no, no. And they had they had a whole boat ride with a blacksmith. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they they actually brought a blacksmith on a like two thousand mile long. Weaponry. Yeah, he could have like at least made some arrows because if they had just shot that dude with an arrow, I mean, yeah. they would have been a lot better off. And I think they're at least suspect, or if not fully clear, that Valyrian steel also does the trick. He could have refashioned Longclaw into multiple weapons. That's like a huge sword. No discussion of any of that yeah. stuff, which yeah. seemed odd to me. That's yeah. B, (laughs) it's unclear how far they marched north of the wall, but like he's been gone at least a week, a very long time, right? Mm -hmm. By the time he sends Gendry off to send the raven, Gendry is like runs for at least a few hours, right? At least a few hours. Then they send a raven. How fast do you think a raven can fly? I don't know, 50 miles an hour maximum. There is actually, I wish I had looked this up, but someone on Twitter figured it out because there is in the books like a, a multi-day uh, period where a raven has to get to point A to point B so you can figure it so out. So you know But it's, it, it wouldn't take um, no time. It's at zero, least, zero. It's at it's least zero 20 hours. hours. It's, yeah, at, yeah, yeah. it's like at least 20 hours for a raven to get from the wall to Dragonstone. It has to be. A raven can't fly you know, unless maybe there's wind gusts behind it, like there always are behind the, the Pike fleet. It's, it's like you're talking 15 to 20 hours for the Raven to get to Daenerys. She has to think about it. She has to get on her dragon. How fast does a dragon fly going back? Has the wind now shifted back? So Dragons can fly super again, fast. And now the prevailing wind is headed north. Dra- let's say the dragon can fly 100 miles an hour. That's still at least 10 to 15 hours for the dragon to get back. I agree with all of yes. the thing that makes it more frustrating is it's like. Bran can see through ravens and control them. So he could actually, like, the instantaneous communication problem is easily solved if you just have, like, cut to a shot of a raven watching them cut to Bran. Make his eye milky. Cut to a raven at Daenerys' place and it just starts talking or something or, like, picks up a pencil. Why isn't Bran just, like, the comms director? Just make sure everyone knows um, what's happening at all times. My friend Polly Lee on The Americans doing the switchboard. (laughs) So anyway, we've we've got what has to be, like, a 20 to 25 to maybe 30 hour sequence and and all that the dragons arrive back at exactly to the second the moment that the rock is being breached by the zombies like at that exact second after 30 hours that's the moment they arrive just on time i get the need for like dramatic heightening fine but it's really 
starts to bother me with yes. stuff like that. And that's just the beginning. I'll, just, let, I'll uh, let you, I'll yeah. let you guys talk no, for a no, That's just the beginning no, of my problems with this. There's so much of it. John falling into the water with huge, heavy cloaks, sodden, sodden with freezing sodden, water. And he's able to swim back to the surface with all of them on. He doesn't have to yeah. take them off. He doesn't have to And long claw as well, which, which, as we've said, is a massively heavy sword. Yeah. And my, you guys are going to maybe get upset about this. But the thing that I thought was most perturbing and a giant failure of nerve is that no name character that you care about died in this oh, exhibition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual like biggest thing is yeah. like yeah. there's like a lot of red shirts, right? Yeah, they have exactly. like the, the biggest problem to me is actually that Tormund survived it. Yeah. Like that he survived that moment when he was being dragged just it, yeah. that felt like not what the show would have done a few seasons ago. Yeah, he would have just, absolutely. he would have just, I will say they did a good job of telegraphing. He was going to die by yeah. being like, well, I'm going to have got a woman waiting exactly. for me. I have my whole, I'm one day away from retirement. Exactly. <laughs> you know? um, exactly. My Valyrian steel watch. Is yeah, my, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they did a good job of faking you out. Cause as yeah. soon as he said that, I was like, Mm-mm. that wild is dead, yeah. but that they didn't follow up on it and kill one of the, yeah. the, the fan f- favorite characters off. is actually like that yeah. felt like a cop out more yeah. so than the, I'm at this point, like the instantaneous transportation thing part of me yeah, is like you had yeah. seven episodes whatever yeah, yeah. but that failure of nerve I think is a bigger yeah. it feels kind of cheap problem. that they brought along these faceless Sherpas yeah. just so that they yeah. could kill some people off without killing any important yeah. characters yeah. Like, that oh then you pick cheap. up a, you know the brotherhood most of whom we don't care about we only really care about the hounds yeah, so. we don't even care I said that they didn't care they did kill Thoros yeah. of Mir but yeah. we're just like eh, yeah. F it. Fair. okay another thing that really bothered me tell me the Night King apparently can just like launch bolts yeah. at anything and just kill massive like a dragon yeah. from like 300 yards away in the air above him but he's so slow why does he <laughs> he throws it he kills the dragon the other guy's waiting can't uh, to yeah. hand him the other javelin it's right there and he's just like, well, let me wait a little bit. Is crack he my slow? knuckles. Is or is he just having lived as long as he has patient? What, what, Maybe he's he, just patient. He's Maybe allowing he's them like, to well, live you know. so he can kill them later just to torture them. Like I, he could obviously he could have just very in rapid succession <laughs> thrown three javelins at the three dragons, killed them all. It would have been so easy and we and the show would be over. I think he's just a patient man. He like <laughs> likes a good Tarkovsky film. He's gonna, you know, take his time. He's gonna slowly walk there and you know, just kill one one dragon. It was the equivalent of of monologuing, you know, when like yeah. when the bad guy monologues yeah. instead of killing the hero and then the hero eventually gets because he was monologuing. Except he didn't even monologue. He's silent. He just sat there and like watched and stood still for a while for no apparent reason. I, I wouldn't mind. Enough. We we could have a little monologue. I mean, a little monologuing would be good if they but then they'd have to talk. Exactly. Thank God they don't talk. That would be I mean, that's the one saving grace of the whites and the night king. Yeah. Like there's no dialogue for those. Wouldn't it be awesome if they had like, hey, hey, <laughs> they, right, they were like, like Jared voice. Kushner or something. They'd come out and be like, <laughs> like a Bronx accent. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> okay, also. Also. <laughs> where was Benjen hiding and why did he come out then as opposed to any of the other times he could have like tipped the scales? He just waits until the very end and now <laughs> and then, you come out from wherever you were and like just at that moment, here you are. Oh, here I am. And then John sees him. <laughs> it's his childhood hero and his favorite family member we thought he's been dead for like years and he sees him and you're just like, oh, Benjen. Uncle Benjen. No ben- time for that. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle B. I did like his weird ninja, yeah, like yeah, throwing yeah. the lamp around, hitting yeah. the dudes in the face with yeah. the fire. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was cool. He's cool. It's cool that the way he kills those I, lights. But. I think we can say that this episode foregrounded sensation and, and yes. backgrounded 
things like narrative sense and, and things like that. I'm right? not done yet. <laughs> I'm not done yet, Isaac. Where did the Night King get like 3,000 odd feet of heavy metal chain just there? Where was that? That's what's know. been taking them so long through the north. They had the to dragon. build all that chain. Luckily, I had my dragon chains with me so we could pull the dragon out of the water. Good thing I brought those along. Wasn't sure I'd need them, but there they were. <laughs> that bothered me as well. But you got a Draco Lich at the end, Seth. Can't you be happy that, that there's a cool. Draco Lich on the, the show? The resurrected now? dragon is pretty cool. I, I know. He's, it's like, that's pretty cool. Is he going to breathe ice? He's either going to breathe ice or he's going to breathe fire and melt the wall, right? Like, that just mm-hmm. seems to me. Okay, that's also, a- when they get on the ship to bring the, the like, injured near-death Jon Snow back and they're on the ship together, you see an exterior shot of the ship. Which I liked. It's like a two-masted rig. <laughs> Finally, we cool get our ship. maritime and, minute. And this is the maritime minute. You see the ship bobbing, pitching and rolling on the waves, which I also like that because a lot of times when you see the Pike fleet, it looked like it was like sitting on cement. Like it just had no, there was no <laughs> probably was. pitch at all. Right, it probably was. This ship, we see it in bobbing in the waves, pitching over the swells. It looked like pretty choppy water. But then when we go into the interior shot of Danny talking to John, all those Lots. tables would have been gimbals, right? They would, like, <laughs> But it didn't matter. Like you didn't see anything moving around. Nothing's rolling. It's just like... Like a perfectly flat, stable room. Didn't make any sense. She's a mother I'm, of dragons, sir. Dragon. Now I'm done complaining about implausibility, and I'm sorry that I, I had to get that off my chest. But, <laughs> Oof. Okay. That All was, right. <laughs> that Back was to Littlefinger. No. With, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, you yeah, you yeah. neatly encapsulated yes. sort of all the issues with this episode in one really good rant. All yeah. right. Now we can let it go. And I, I understand that we need to accept like this is a show about <laughs> dragons in like a mystical uh, no, fictional I, land. But... I, no, I think, though, that is an excuse that's often trotted out. And I do think that fictional things, whether it's TV or books or whatever, they create their own reality that they mm-hmm. are asking you to buy into that has its own rules and when they just start violating it all over the place you feel in a sense like its contract with you has been broken so I I actually understand why people are I will admit I mean it was late Sunday night you know I was a little tired I'd I'd had a glass of wine I was excited to see like a battle you know like Mm -hmm, I I mm -hmm, found it very mm -hmm. thrilling but I do think that these kinds of questions these kinds of issues aren't like super nitpicky. I think it is a problem that people can just teleport over this 3,000 foot long it continent. It takes me and, out of the show right. when I start thinking about yeah, these exactly. things. I want to I want to be immersed. I don't exactly. want to be taken out of it because I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense. Or, or at least like we have to believe that it could have happened. Like I don't want to see people tramping for seven episodes. Fine. You can make time move quickly. You don't have to show me everything, but you have to tell me a story that explains it. And there was no attempt. They were just selling the fact that we weren't supposed to think about it and everybody was just teleporting. It makes me think it, maybe all of this is happening in the mind of an autistic child. <laughs> this is going to be staring <laughs> at a snow globe. Oh, my snow God. Globe. It's sent elsewhere. Like John yeah. Snow wakes up in bed next to Mary Tyler Moore. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you know what almost makes up for all of it? What? And that is Danny's Winter Luke. Which yes. Was incredible. incredible, right? Yeah, it yeah. was like Dragon Winter. It was like a scaled fur. It was like fur yeah. with scales yeah. almost. Where'd she been hiding that? Like, I did don't she know. just whip that up? Does she have a seamstress? How I think Miss Sunday make makes her clothes, I think. And so maybe Miss Sunday, while missing Grey Worm, is like sewing up a nice winter collection. That's yeah. a badass Luke. Can yeah. we also address the fact that neither Jon Snow nor Daenerys seem to have ever heard of a political marriage? <laughs> they both want the thing the other person yes. has. The easy solution to bending the knee that would then sell it to his bannerman is if they just got married like except for the fact that she's his aunt but they don't know yeah, that yeah, right. you know it solves like a lot of their problems then you can have the twist later where it's like she's his aunt yeah. oh but there's a sticking point 
which is that she explicitly says he's too little for her. Da- Daenerys' Tinder profile says six foot two and over <laughs> only, please do not contact. Yeah, but she's in love with him. Need, needs needs to speak it. seven languages. Yeah, but she put it out there like she's like, no, I've got a type, and he's not it. He's too small for me. Yeah. What did we think of uh, Tyrion's attempt to make Daenerys understand that rule involves things like institutions and norms and not yeah. killing everyone? <laughs> I mean, but he was so. He made such a mistake in talking about succession, which obviously is a huge factor. I mean, it doesn't take a, you know a mastermind to sort of suggest you might want to think since you're not having children, who will succeed you? You know, let's have a plan in place. It's it's not crazy thinking. It's just like saying, have you got a will? Have you done a will? You know, just the way that. But once he brought that up, that, you know, was the end of the conversation. This was very interesting to me because he brings that up. It's a complete non sequitur. He's talking about like, what do you really want? How do you want to rule? What does breaking the wheel mean? Blah, blah, blah. And then kind of out of nowhere, he shifts to talking about like, and oh, and who's going to succeed you? What's going to happen when you die? And who's going to carry on what you're saying? And he brings it up out of nowhere. And it's, I was curious why. That was so important to him to talk about. But then you notice in the rest of the episode, there's actually a lot of talk about succession yep. and yep. children. Yep. Yep. You yep. have Jorah you know, saying, no, no, you keep Longclaw. I don't deserve Longclaw because of my... there was a lot of talk about Ned mm-hmm. Stark, first mm-hmm. of all. <laughs> right. Ned Stark. And then Jorah says, no, no, you keep Longclaw. I you know, disgraced my family. You keep Longclaw and pass it down to generations right. of your children. Right, right. And then we had... Tyrion talking to Danny about succession. And then we had Danny saying to John in bed, very meaningful eyes, saying, These are the only children I can ever have. You understand that? There's just a lot of talk mm-hmm. about children and succession, which was interesting. And last week we had talk, at least, supposedly, uh, Cersei pregnant with another heir, with a, a belief that people will accept something that I think we all suspect they won't, that she wants to be open about the fact that the father of the heir is her brother again. And, you know, yes, it'll be a child, but that is not going to be accepted. Heir to what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe this is just all to set up the spinoff show after they wrap it up for the final season and they need to spin up. Now it's like Westeros babies. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there was there were a lot of backdoor pilots last night. I was thinking about uh, Downton Abbey. We used to suggest spinoffs, and you know, I thought Thalmond and the Hound, you know, wander through the. Oh, for sure, that'd be great. That'd be good. Yeah, we should write the uh, theme tune for that one. Okay, so do we have things we need to kind of suggest about next week? We've got a reanimated dragon with blue eyes. Now, Danny only has two dragons. We know she hates to be called Danny. If she I feel a little us. bad that I've been calling her Danny. Ah, Daenerys is too much of a mouthful. I can't ever remember how to spell it either. Yeah, so it's well, easier when you're like can. texting your friends. Yeah. Like, can you believe what Danny did this episode? Exactly. It's not the company you want to keep. That's yeah. true. It's also a bit intimate, Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> talking about her that way. Yeah. Uh, I want to see what this zombie dragon can do. And yeah. does it breathe ice? Yeah. I, I would kind of think it would be pretty cool. If it <laughs> how much of this week's implausibilities would you forgive if that Draco Lich starts breathing ice? All, for, all is forgiven. All is forgiven? And well, if Danny wears that winter outfit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. All is forgiven. And was that like some molting? Like do the dragon shed? Is that what oh. they made that out of? Oh, that would be awesome. Unclear to me. Yeah. Yeah. I always want to gather my cat's fur for that purpose. <laughs> um, so Viserion is gone. Do we think that the night King needs to say Dracarys or is in his mental thrall well, now? He, yeah, it's in his thrall, in I his assume. Thrall, yeah. Unless it's, it acts independently. I don't know, because do the zombies have blue eyes too? I can never remember who yeah. has blue yeah, eyes. To yeah, to the extent that they have eyes. If they yeah. have eyes, they're blue. Okay. Yeah. Does flying over the wall 
obviate the problem. Like, can you get past the law of like not crossing the wall if you fly? I don't you know, know. thirty thousand feet above it on a dragon zombie, maybe the rule doesn't matter anymore. Right? Does the wall have air rights? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what developer wants to buy those air rights? Exactly. How many stories taller could you go than the wall? Obviously, the summit between the great powers is the thing they're advertising about yeah. next week, right? Basically, that uh, next time on was just shots of people walking towards a room. Yes. It was just that, and then John says, "You know, this is the only war that matters," or something. So there's that summit, but I feel like John's got to find out who his parents are. And that wall's got to come crashing down. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether those things will actually happen next week, but I do feel like those are possible cliffhangers and we've got to have a cliffhanger of some kind. Cersei's baby. I mean, maybe that's a spinoff, like Cersei's baby. That could be- Cersei's baby. <laughs> On the on the new TGIF, on the revamped TGIF <laughs> lineup. They all, if they convince Cersei and they all did, you know band together, then we've set up, we've set the table for the great conflagration of the next season, which is just going to be the zombies and the Night King versus <sighs> the humans. It's going to be, you know, death is the enemy. Well, yeah. but Cersei sent for Sansa as well, which I think is really fascinating. Like she knows John is coming and then she summons Sansa to come to King's Landing as well. And then Sansa sent Brienne. And we know Cersei's up to something, that there's a yeah. trap she's laying. And I I assume we will get some sense of what that trap is. We'll talk about those things next week. But before we end this week's show, we have to talk about who the worst person in Westeros is. You're the worst shit in the Seven Kingdoms. There's plenty worse than me. Seth, who's your candidate? Well, it's always tempting to say Littlefinger. Always. Because he's so terrible. And he's, you know, he's pitting sister against sister, basically trying to convince sisters to murder each other. Why can't he pitch white against white? You know what I mean? Like, why didn't he just go be on the wall and deal with those guys? Yeah. Oh, good point. They should just send him on like a diplomatic mission yeah. to the Night King. Talk exactly. it out. Talk it out. <laughs> no, you can't. Sure, Night King. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's appeasement, Jim. You can't, oh, you can't appease oh. a dictator like the Night King. You, oh. you only, they only understand one thing, and that's force. I think... I have to say it's you know it's an obvious choice, but I think the Night King is my worst person because he killed that beautiful beast, Viserion. that beautiful dragon. He killed it, uh, and now he's reanimating it for evil purposes. He's going to make it everything that it wasn't before. He's get you know where once it fought for a, kind of some form of good, <laughs> now it's fighting for pure evil. Where once uh, it spewed fire, now in my dreams, hopefully <laughs> it will spew ice. And so I, the Night King. I mean, he's, he's obviously a, a real bad guy, but also. That thing where he just waited and yes. he didn't and just sat there when he, I didn't under, I didn't yeah. like that. And yeah. so I also, I'm going to, that's an extra <laughs> that, like bonus yeah. worstness yes. thing against him. Yeah, absolutely. Isaac? Lots of candidates this week. Lots yes. of candidates this week. Yes. A lot of people, I think, are urging Bran for not warning anyone about anything and just meditating by that he tree. Wasn't even yeah. in the he wasn't even in the episode. So I'm going to go with actually, I mean, you know, and this was as soon as that episode was over, I think the answer is obviously John. For not hopping on that dragon's back and flying uh, away when he had a chance. So John, this is the second major battle in a row where John has suffered unnecessary losses because he couldn't handle his emotions and just do what he needed to do on the battlefield, mm-hmm. which was cut and run with Danny this time or not chase after just his brother get last right. time. Freaking dragon! Just get, and now he's like, oh, there's another. I should just kill this another of these millions of zombies. I'll just go that, wade out it into was, them. It was a bad plan to begin with, yep. and arguably. It is actually John's tomfoolery that cost us that beautiful, majestic beast. Well, and, and, you know, as Tyrion said to Daenerys, the most important person in the world can't go to the most dangerous place in the world. Well, she did because, you know, it's a little bit that that Ned Stark thing. You got, you know, you got to go to the battle. You can't let the pawns, you know, do the fighting for you. But she 
and John are the most important people. And as the general has to save himself, like that's part of the deal, you know, it's not something perhaps that they want to think about, but they are more important than the privates. And he needs to get on the dragon. Let somebody else keep fighting the endless parade of reanimated humans and just, yeah, get on that damn dragon. Get out of my dreams. Get on my dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For me, the worst person in Westeros was the guy who forgot to pack the dragon glass on the trip (laughs) behind the wall. Come on, that was just ridiculous. Probably also John. I'm (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably. And like, why didn't they all just wear like dragon glass armor? Why were the not why were the dragons not just like cladded in like dragon glass cladding? Inordinate efforts to mine this dragon glass. And then at the and when you reach the point where like the whole point of having the dragon glass, where's the dragon glass? You're ridiculous. Or I might also go with Bran, who wasn't in the episode just because like he needs to tell people things. If he's seen stuff, what is the point of it if he doesn't tell anybody? Honored in absentia. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mentioned in dispatches. All right. That will be it for this week. Please join us again next Monday when we will be discussing the great finale of season seven, part one. Thank you. <laughs>